called God, Money, and Legacy. Let's say it together. God, Money, and Legacy. And last week we did an introduction as to why we need to deal with this subject. Because many people have secularized money to the point where when you're in church you shouldn't hear about things like that. Unless if it's those kind of churches that are trying to extort uh, single mothers of their homes and then run away when the government is pursuing them. But the Word of God teaches us that there's something about money that begins to affect your heart. And everything that affects your heart, God wants to have a say about that. Why? Because when Christ comes into your life, He wants to be Lord. He wants to sit on the throne of your life. And it is so important that we give Him that room. And if we don't give Him that room, we will give something or someone else that room. For some of us, maybe it's money. For others, it's your job. For others, it's your spouse or the one that you would like to marry that the Lord still has to come and help you with. For some of you, it's your gymming. Yeah, exercising. You know, you you are so committed when it comes to exercising. But when it's time to pray and be in the Word, I'm too tired. (laughs) I want to encourage you that that, that physical exercise is profitable, but godliness is profitable beyond. And it is profitable for this life and the next. Amen? And last week we spoke about how your life or, or money as a currency is able to be almost like an, a, a unit that reflects someone's work, someone's time, someone's life. And it might be sitting in your account or you might have consumed it. And that was a transfer of their time and their, their, their work from where it was done to the point where they received something from it and to the point where they transferred it to you. And the Word of God shows us that there is a way that we can move our hearts because money has so much to do with our hearts. Tell the person next to you, money has to do with your heart. Don't look at me like that, it's true. Yeah, money has to do with your heart. And God... God wants our heart to be centered in the right place because where your heart is, that is where your life will flow from. The Word of God says, guard your heart above all things because out of the heart flows the issues of life. Your life is flowing from your heart. It says that it's not the things that a man consumes or touches that defile a man, but the things that come out of the heart, for out of the heart comes lust and adultery and greed and every evil kind of thought. And so it's so important that we realize that this is a heart issue. Amen. This is a heart issue. Now God is so interested in the entirety of your life and not just your time at Connect, your Bible reading time, but He's interested in the way that you do your work during the week. He's interested in the way that you handle your family, your wife, your children. He's interested in the way that you drive your car through those red lights. Like God is not interested in those things. He is. Amen. Every tenet of your life, he is interested because he is living it. God is interested in every part of your life because he is living it. You might ask, what do you mean by he is living it? Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. So who is living then? Christ is living where? Through me. In fact, it says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit that is within you? Meaning that you share a body with somebody else. Amen? So this morning we're going further in our series. Last week we concluded saying, that it is so important that we transfer our hearts from this earthly kingdom to the heavenly kingdom. It is so important. Why? Because everything that is on earth rusts, molds, fades away, gets stolen. But there are eternal riches, eternal treasures that cannot be taken away from you. There's a deposit. There is an investment that you need to be making while you are here. Amen? Amen? That's right. 
Come on, let's encourage one another this morning. Amen. So take us there to the next slide. This morning we are speaking about the economies. God's economy versus man's economy. And uh, there's so much that's been happening in our nation economically since the end of last year. And there are a lot of people that are in dire straits. There are a lot of people that are under pressure because of what the economy is doing to them. But I'm here to tell you this morning that the Word of God says that God wants us to dominate our environment and not our environment to dominate us. This is the heritage of the sons of the kingdom of God. That wherever they come, they make the environment like it is inside of them. Not that the environment begins to influence them. Amen? Give us there the next slide. The definition of economy is derived from the Greek word oikonomia. It means household management. And economics was first read in ancient Greek, in Greece. And Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, termed economics as the science of household management. This is basics. I mean, there's so many theories, economic theory, theories that we can go into. There are some, some people in the midst here that are economists and that started, studied that. And uh, if I say anything that's off, just raise your hand and say, and I'll know. And it might not be entirely accurate. So it's so important, go back to the previous one. It is so important that you realize that God has an economy as well, because there will always be an economy in any place where there is a household. Do you understand? For many of you, you might think, no, economics is a mundane, uh, secular topic. It has nothing to do with heaven. Oh, it has lots to do with heaven. Amen? It is the way that God governs his household. Give us there the next slide. There's a concept called the household of faith, and Galatians speaks about it. Matthew 4, verse 16 to 17 says, The people which sat in darkness saw a great light, and to them which sat in the region and the shadow of death, light is sprung up. And from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There is another kingdom that has invaded the earth. There is an invisible kingdom that is currently resident on the earth. That kingdom has government. That kingdom has laws. That kingdom has an economy. And that kingdom has citizens. And it is so important that we realize that we are citizens of two nations. As born-again believers, we are first born from our mothers in this nation. You get your birth certificate. But the Bible speaks about a second birth. John chapter 3. And that birth is not because of the will of man or the desire of man or the decision of a parent. That is a birth that is a birth from the Spirit of God. And Jesus was telling Nicodemus, a teacher of the religious, he was saying that you must be born again. Marvel not. Don't be surprised that you must be born again. If you are not born again, you will never enter or see the kingdom of God. As much as it may stand before your very eyes, it is invisible to those who are not born in it. Amen? That kingdom is going to be the kingdom that will stand at the end. The prophecy of Daniel concerning the dream that the king had, Nebuchadnezzar, political, historical king. He had a dream concerning a certain statue. And that statue was made of different parts on the head, on the shoulders, on the, on the waist, on the legs, and on the feet. And it represents different kingdoms that would come. And the last kingdom had a mixture of clay and iron. And then there was a small rock that appeared, a small stone that appeared, and shattered, hit, hit that statue. Disrupted and destroyed and undid every other kingdom. And then that rock became a mighty mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the kingdom of God. And you might be proud 
that we are part of the Namibian economy. Praise God, this is a good place. Maybe if you are Jewish, you are proud of the Jewish economy in Israel. Out of the desert, we are bringing out wonderful agriculture. But there is a kingdom that you should be proud of. There is a greater economy that comes from the kingdom of God that we are affiliated with. That we should identify much more with than this one. I'm telling you, it gets practical. Faith is something that is real. The realm of the spirit is real. Tell the person next to you, the realm of the spirit is real. It's not just in your head and in your heart and in your church group. This is real. This is real. And we have the privilege to be partakers of this kingdom. Give us the next slide. Matthew 10, Matthew 6 verse 10 says, Your kingdom come. This is the Lord's prayer. Eh? Your kingdom come. Consider what Jesus said. Pray this way. Your kingdom come where? On earth as? Yes. Your kingdom come and your will be done. You ask yourself, what is the will of God? Many of us are speculative when something goes wrong. We ask ourselves, is this God's will? Is it so in heaven? Is it so in heaven? God's will is that his kingdom come and his will be done as it is in heaven. It is not something where we have to throw bones and feel the breeze. Yeah, I think I can discern now the will of God concerning this matter. No, 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 no. The will of God is clear. It's in the word of God. The will of God is in the word of God. Tell the person next to you, the will of God for your life is in the word of God. If you have not been in the word of God, you will not know the will of God. If you don't have somebody who, who teaches and preaches to you the word of God, you will not know the will of God. Amen? And it's so important that we adopt this. This needs to become your conviction. It cannot be option number five. It cannot be option number three. It cannot be option number two. For those of us who are sons and daughters in the kingdom of God, this is our first option. Amen? And you might feel like, I'm new to this. I just got born again last week. How does this work? The word of God and the spirit of God has come to teach you everything that we have received freely from God. Amen? Give us the next slide. Adam Smith, the father of modern economics. Why am I bringing this person into our teaching this morning? Why is the face of Jesus not there on that slide? <laughs> the reason why we are discussing men and women like this is because your life today, your life today is being affected by people who died a long time ago. Their ideas and their concepts live on. And this is the advantage of having the word of God in your heart and mind. That you will be able to test every truth. They call him the father of modern economics. The concept of capitalism. Hells from this man. Free market economics. So that the government mustn't interfere with all sorts of policies and moving the, liber, the, the lever of, 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 what do they call it, fiscal policy, né? up and down when things are too much, then we up and down. No, he believed that no, the market will regulate itself. The free hand will move everything right. Those who, who end up you know, being oppressed, let them be oppressed. Those who, right? All based on self-interest. Give us the next slide there. So the study of economics is how society chooses to allocate its what? Scarce. <laughs> the resources are what? Scarce. Especially in Namibia, you look around, just see sand. Scarce resources. This is the definition from which we start. So we, are, we have to allocate the, the small pie between a multitude of us. And it's, it's how society chooses to allocate its scarce resources to the production of goods and services in order to satisfy unlimited. 
Here you have good grounds to explain why there is war. There is too little, and for those of you who have more than one child, you will understand economics very well. <laughs> yeah? You will see nations battling inside your house for scarce resources yeah? and unlimited ones. As much as you bought something yesterday, if you are walking in the aisle of the shop past that same item, there will be a desire for more. So we have a crisis. In fact, those who are true free market economists who believe that, no, the, 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 the strong must, must become stronger, the rest must just find their way. They actually believe that because of the scarce resources, we need to do some population control. And uh, the, the guys who, the, the ones who, who, who have a, a more moderate approach will say family planning, no, not, don't have so many children. Don't, don't, don't go every year, child, child, child. <laughs> Things are getting expensive today. Land is not being created anymore. So where will we all stand? Food is running out. There's not enough. So let's, let's control, let's manage the population growth. We need more population in Namibia, I think, eh? Yeah, in Namibia we are too few. Can't start a business and become a billionaire. <laughs> have to export. Okay, anyway. So, um, where was I? So the scarce resources in a nation, limited with unlimited ones. And then you find the guys who are extreme, the people who are extreme who say, no, we need to actually... Um, manage population a little bit more aggressively. So let's start a war there. Let's. And for those of you who are conspiracy theorists, you know. There are so many different ways that they are apparently trying to minimize the population. This is the basics that, that are operating in your city today concerning economics. Amen? Give us the next slide. Ideas shape the course of history. You might be sitting here and you think I'm, I'm just a normal guy, just a normal lady. Um, I studied. I'm trying to do my job, make some money, make a living for my family, uh, send them to university at least. Maybe they'll become a doctor, I hope. And then after that, you know, when I retire, my child will take care of me also. I want to encourage and challenge everybody here that you can change the world. Tell the person next to you, you can change the world. Even if you come from that other small village <laughs> that I can't pronounce properly without spitting. Yeah? Even if you come from that small village, you can change the world. The world is changed by ideas. And I'm telling you, if, a, if an idea that is evil and wrong gets root somewhere, it will destroy nations. And for many of us in high school, we read the book called uh, Animal Farm, which explains the dynamics of commun communism. Many of us have a social agenda because of our passion for the public, but we don't scrutinize the fruit of certain ideas, such as communism, which presumes that whoever is controlling, which is the government controlling the resources, is not going to be, get corrupt when the things get a lot in their plate. Ideas such as evolution, which puts one man at the monkey and another in the front. And out of those ideas, we have behavior that comes. Behavior does not come from behavior. Behavior comes from ideas. The Word of God continues, continuously admonishes us to, to take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Because thoughts can kill and thoughts can bring life. In fact, the enemy, most of the time, I don't know how many of you have had a, a visitation of the enemy himself in your room, at your house. No, no. But have you thought such evil thoughts before? Then it means he was there. 
<laughs> and some of us, we entertain him. Yeah, it's true, man. <laughs> we entertain. And we don't realize that the battlefield, the battlefield and the seed, the seedbed for corruption starts in your mind. Be careful what you read. Be careful what you assimilate. Be careful what you choose not to question. Amen? So as believers, we have a mandate from God to bring the kingdom from heaven to earth. If we are going to do that, we need to think. <laughs> Tell the person next to you, you must think, my brother. <laughs> and some of you are thinking, my goodness, this message this morning, I'm not feeling the anointing like I usually do. I'm just feeling my mind like... <laughs> The word of God speaks about Daniel. Daniel, being from a noble family in Israel, when they were brought out in exile to, to Babylon, they were chosen among the young men to work in the courts of the king. They were taught the sciences of Babylon, the languages, the history, the politics of the place. And the Bible says that Daniel and his friends were ten times better than all the others. Look at the person next to you, ten times better. <laughs> Amen? Ten times better. And the Holy Spirit is interested in imparting grace into your life so that He is able to influence, influence, and influence through your life. Give us the next slide. John Maynard Keynes. Another thinker, another philosopher, another economist. That whose thoughts are also dominating the way that the economy is going. They call him the, the father of macroeconomics. So the ideas concerning government in getting involved in the market. When, when, you, when you see the Reserve Bank saying, I'm going to raise interest rates, and then your installment on your house goes up, is this guy's fault? <laughs> Regulation. And this is all good in the context where they were operating, meaning scarce resources, unlimited ones, you know, and everyone is self-interested. They are just doing everything for their own family, their own group, their own tribe at the expense of everyone else. In that environment, we need some regulation to come in. The only issue is that if your government is not good, <laughs> and there's a problem. If your, if your government is great, then the regulations help us. Amen? Give us there the next slide. So man's economy has certain elements. A scarcity mindset. This, this is intrinsic when, when you walk at your job, at your workplace, and you think, we want to do something, immediately you go to budget. Yeah? The word budget is an allocation of your limited resources. And let me say that God believes in that kind of stewardship. But there's more where that came from, from God. But in man's economy, mm -mm, it's limited to this planet. Amen? Then the next point, after your scarcity mindset, you have self-interest and unlimited wants mindset. So you are selfish. In this economy. This is, this is intrinsic. It's human nature. The economy and the politics cannot help with that. Even the one who is set to lead the nation and to regulate and to bring policy is self-interested. The only thing that deals with our self-interest, our selfishness, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Apart from that, you cannot escape the desire to do things for yourself. Even if you are giving to the poor, it will be in self-interest. Some motive in the inside is saying, yeah, I'm good. Amen? This is all part of, of the natural scope. Then, no absolute accountability. That's another point in man's economy. That if you can do something and no one can find out, and the, the is it the ACC? Doesn't get to you. Anti-corruption commission doesn't get to you. Then you are free. No ultimate accountability. 
But in the kingdom of God, I'm telling you, there will be a day. <laughs> there will be a day. Please don't forget, that day could be tomorrow. If Jesus comes today, <laughs> that day could be tomorrow. Where every man will give account for his life. And if you do not have Christ, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for you on that day. And if you have Christ, I hope you are telling all your friends and your family. Amen? For those of you who feel like you've been wronged, you've been robbed, where is God? Why is he not bringing people to account? He will. The reason why God is, no, is delaying judgment day is because if he came to judge immediately, you would be one of those. <laughs> you assume that you are one of the ones who will not. You will be one of those. God was quick. But he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish. Amen? The next one, limited and uncertain returns and rewards. Meaning, I invest and I get like 10%, 20% eh? returns. If I'm in property, 200%. <laughs> used to at the moment you know not so much but they are limited returns and those returns need to pay out while you are on earth if you leave earth <laughs> those returns you will never see them this is part of the natural economy then it cannot change the heart beyond this world Meaning your investments and how you use your money in the normal economy doesn't move your heart from here to the kingdom. And that's a trap. Because mankind is made to transcend. We are supposed to live looking at ourselves. We are supposed to live outside of this world. We, we are made in the image of God. We are not like the beast who is just crawling around, doesn't know what's happening really. He's just doing the instinct. And this is what God uses to move our hearts a lot. Is whatever resource he gives you, he gets you to move it up. Once you move it up, your aspirations, your affections, your dreams, the way that you feel is all up in the kingdom of God. Give us the next slide. This is so important. You will need to restructure your budget. Tell the person next to you, <laughs> restructure, you'll need to restructure your budget. Some of you are saying, I, uh, what is a budget? <laughs> I don't use a budget, I swipe like it's, you know. God's economy. Romans 12 verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't conform. We know what it's like. We know how it happens. We know what the economy, how it operates. Don't conform. Don't conform. God has something better for the believer. Don't conform. Don't allow fear. Don't allow lack mentality. Don't allow scarcity. Don't allow mismanagement. Don't allow those to dominate. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Amen? Give us the next slide there. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. This is Jesus in the crowd, and he's speaking, and someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator over the two of you? Then he said to them, Watch out and guard yourselves against Every form of greed. Watch out and guard yourself against every form of greed. For not even when one has an overflowing abundance does his life consist of, nor is it derived from his possessions. You are not what you have. Remember that. There are many of us, we come from a poor family, and we have low self-esteem because of that. You are not what you have. The Bible speaks about Joseph being sold into slavery and standing before, before Potiphar, who was buying him, an officer of the king. 
And the Bible says that he was a successful man. He was a prosperous man. The man had nothing. Not even clothes. But the word of God looks at the heart. And the word of God considers what he deposited in you. And he says there's prosperity in this person. And that is how you need to live. You always bring out of your heart what is inside to the outside. The illustration would be there's a wonderful, beautiful palace. And there's someone who has a gangster heart. They come into that beautiful palace. It will not be three weeks. That place will be a mess. Why? Because he's uncomfortable with these wonderful things around. He must bring out what is here. Because he lives here. This is not uh, uh, familiar. doesn't look like home. And he will make it what he is here. Then you take a man who is a prince inside. You bring him into a rundown place. It's not three weeks. When you see, no, the things are arranged. There's some flowers or whatever, depending on the artistic, you know. The guy is bringing out what is inside to the outside. Yeah? And this is how you need to live. You take, and, and this is what the word says, don't make a slave a king. He will ruin that place. Some of you are thinking, man, if I was only the president, things wouldn't have been going the way that they are going now. We will see. Once you get there, out of the heart, you will bring out. Some of you are thinking, I'm just waiting to get married. Once I get married, all these circumstances will begin to change. No, no, no. You will come in that other person's life, that beautiful life, and begin to smear all your things everywhere. You need to prepare your heart for God, where God wants to take you. Amen? And the Bible speaks about how God has dealt with our hearts. He's given us a new heart. But you need to let that heart be reflected in your mind. Otherwise, you will still smear. Amen? The rich fool. This is the same scripture that continues. Take us back. I don't know if I finished that one. Take us back to the previous slide. Yes. For not, yeah, that's right. Next slide. Then... Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? Imagine you are so wealthy that you have to think to yourself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store all these things. If this is your situation... <laughs> You're in trouble. You need to repent. You need your heart to be changed. You, there's, so much, there's so much turmoil on this earth. No one should feel like there's too much. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up. For many years. Relax. Eat. Drink. Be merry. <laughs> but God said to him, fool. 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 This night, your soul is required of you. You haven't even started breaking down the bats. Leave them as they are. Because <laughs> you are not going to have time to do that. Your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? For the man who has been investing in the kingdom of God, transferring wealth to the kingdom of God, has been setting up treasures in heaven. When his soul gets required, he says, I'm ready. I'm ready, let's go. Next chapter, next management position. Amen? Because when we are there, there will be, there will be management there. And we'll teach about what happens on the other side. There will be management there. It won't just be, I arrived and, and it's just like a cloud. You lie here. Okay. Here's your, here's your hymnal for singing for the rest of eternity. You know? When we all get to heaven, it will be... 
And then a thousand millenniums later, when we all <laughs> see Jesus. No. The Bible says that I've seen the, 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 and I saw a new earth and a new heaven. For the old earth and the old heaven have, been, have passed away. There is a new path. I'm telling you, even if it's your five dollar eh, that you invested in the things of God, and that other brother invested nothing, that five dollar. Amen. This is the power of the economy of God. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Ask the person next to you, are you rich towards God? You, you. <laughs> are you rich towards God? Some of you look concerned. You can start today. Give us the next slide there. So fundamentals of God's economy. First, abundance mindset. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Abundance mentality. You know, when, you, when it's your mentality, you think it without thinking about it. It's your mindset. It's your system. It's in you. And many of us, our mentality is not abundance mentality, it's scarcity mentality. It, even when we are quoting, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. <laughs> Why? Because it's not become our meditation. It's a scripture we've memorized, but it's not, be, it's not being internalized. It's not my conviction. I've not spent enough time around Ephraim who just lives so freely and the Lord provides, the Lord provides, till I begin to catch that thing. I've not been in a connect. I've been reading Newsweek, CNN. I've been following the news. I've been reading The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith. I've been reading Karl Marx and all sorts of things. The word of God must wait. Sunday. And then, when I want to live from an abundance mentality, it's not there. Why? Because the word of God needs to form it in you. Amen? Philippians 4 verse 19. My God shall supply all your needs. How many? Do we believe this church? No. <laughs> Do we like to quote it? Amen, we like to quote it. Easy. Begin to meditate in this. So abundance mindset is number one. Then love and charity is number two. It is so intrinsic to working in the economy of God. You have to be based on love. It's the opposite of working in selfishness. Amen? Sometimes love will motivate you to sell the bed that you sleep on. Why? Because you are going from an abundance mentality. You are not afraid of what will happen if I give this one. Even though your wife will be like, how can we sell the bed? How can we give away the bed? Yeah? But when you are operating in God's economy, it's beyond what you see. So you begin abundance mentality. Then out of love, your actions begin to take place. If you are taking steps without love, you are just a noisy symbol. You are, there's no benefit to that. 1 Corinthians 13. Eh? 1 John 4 verse 8. God is love. God is love. God operates from this foundation. I hope you are taking mental notes of this. No? I see some people making notes. And others are like, hey, Amen. We hope that the birds, those birds from that parable will not come there, the welcome tea when you're talking about Donald Trump and things. And it's like... <laughs> 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 but if you are in connect, we will go through it again. Ab absolute accountability before God. 2 Corinthians 5. For all of us must appear before the judgment throne of Christ. Yeah? Judgment of rewards. Absolute accountability before God. We, we walk before... A, a region that is beyond the one that we see. Amen? 
then guaranteed an eternal reward. Guaranteed. Have you ever heard people saying there's no guarantees in life? There is no guarantees in this life. But there are guarantees in the kingdom of God. Sealed by the blood of the Son of the Most High God. Guaranteed by Him. Amen? This is the joy. You know, <laughs> if you believe these things, you will just start to enjoy life. <laughs> and the religious people will get very upset with you. Guaranteed an eternal reward, Matthew 6, 19. And this changes, the last one, it changes the heart to heaven. Let's say this, I will change my heart. I will move it to heaven. I am sitting in heavenly places. I will move my heart with me. You know, and, and this is a phenomenon that for those of you who are struggling in marriage, right? How do I move my heart? I, I'm out of love with this person. The one that I made vows to. Till death do us part. Yes, till death do us part. In sickness and in health. Yes, in sickness and in health. In good times. Yes, in good times. And you may now kiss the bride. I already did. <laughs> right? For those of you who are going through the valley of the shadow of death of marriage. There is a way to move your heart. And that way is not by investing in somebody else. If you invest in somebody else, your heart will move there. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you want your heart to move somewhere, put money there, put time there, put resource there. Then you will just see, you think more about that. You move your heart. Amen? And when you are having a good marriage and you are doing wonderful things that have your heart there and you stop doing them and your spouse tells you, you, you haven't done X, Y, Z in the past. No, that is the orange light that your heart is going to move soon. So please, move your heart back. Continue to. Do you understand? This is a secret. Many people are just like, oh God, oh God, where are you? We were fine when we started off in marriage. Now, why are you? No, 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 no. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this needs to be done mutually. Amen? But don't wait for the other spouse. <laughs> yeah, you know, because I'm waiting for... Okay, give us the next slide there. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, don't worry. Your father knows what you need. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Can you consider that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> for those of you, if someone asks you, are you poor? And you say yes, but you have received the kingdom of God. Don't know the truth. Or they ask you, are you very wealthy? And you say, not yet. Then you don't know the truth. Yeah? Even if Prince Harry, is it Prince Harry or Prince William? Eh? Yeah. If, they, if we find them here, they walk in here. That apparently someone robbed them and all of that. They have nothing in hand. They have nothing in hand. They don't have bank accounts in Namibia. Nothing. Do you think that they will feel poor? Never. Why? Uh, I know from where I come. In fact, I know who I am. I'm a prince. Yeah? There's a whole nation that is behind me. All the resources. Now, some of us, you know, the enemy has stolen all the goods so far. And we are standing almost with minus zero, minus 14 in the balance. <laughs> we bind that thing at the ATM. And then we have this internalized. Because that's what the enemy wants. It doesn't matter what happens to you. What he wants is for what happens to you to get inside you. And once it gets inside you, it begins to create some ceilings that you are putting up yourself. Amen? Sell your possessions and give to the needy. 
Provide yourselves with money bags and purses that do not grow old. With a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And these are the words of the creator. Give us the next slide. There's a statement here that I thought when I was preparing the message. Faith is the currency of all economies. Some of you are saying, no, that's, that's a mistake. It's the currency of God's economy. No. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because the way that our economy works and our societies work, it presumes that we trust each other. It might not be faith in God, but there's faith. If you go and you don't think you have faith that this currency will buy at the shop, what will you do? You will throw it away. How many of you have had those currencies? I will not mention them. Those currencies that have many zeros. But you cannot buy anything with it. You understand that it's not, it's not just the value in the hand. It is the trust that we have in the value. Yeah? The expectations. And economists will tell you that the, the stock market is just a reflection of expectations. If there's a lie that goes out and is believed, and everyone decides to run to the bank and draw all their money, but nothing was true. It was a lie. They draw all their money. They will plummet that bank and disrupt systemically the whole economy. Based on what? What they believed. In the same way, God's economy operates on a faith principle. God's economy operates on a faith principle. And the principle here is trust in God and not in money. The Bible calls it uncertain riches. And it says in the, book of, in the book of Timothy, warn those who are rich. Warn them not to put their faith in uncertain riches. It can be here today. We've seen it in 2008. It can be here today. And it can vanish on the computer screen. <laughs> switch off, switch on. <laughs> huh? Reboot, call IT. It can vanish like that. <laughs> Just like the wind. And we've seen people jumping from the building. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's tragic, I know. But, but it's true. It's, it's unreliable. For those of you, please take out your wallet if you have your wallet here. Have you ever imagined leaving this one at home? My goodness. Oh! <laughs> I cannot even think of this. My whole life is here. For those of you who are doing cell phone banking, take out your cell phone. <laughs> if you leave that one, both of them at home. <laughs> Immediately straight to the church office, Pastor, your mom must have something in the mercy fund. <laughs> Don't trust in money. Use it. God wants you to have it, and God wants you to use it. Be clear on that. Tell the person next to you, God wants you to have money, and he wants you to use it, and use it well. But don't put your faith in it. Don't rely on it. Don't rest in it. Don't dream about it. <laughs> Amen? Nowadays, all the musicians are making songs about money. Money, money, money. What, what, huh? Even the slow singing one. Money, money, money. It's not just the hip-hop guys. Everybody's singing about money. Yeah? It's important that you realize it's only paper. It's only paper and expectations and trust of men. Back in the day, we had a barter economy where if I wanted to earn his watch and I've got nice shoes, then we make a trade. Shoes or watch. Right, Ian? What? Now, you exchange paper, <laughs> paper for shoes. 
paper for this. And it's an illustration of how quickly, I mean, if you just stand in the wrong place at that KFC place and the fire catches your money, it's gone. There's no refund for burnt money. <laughs> Uh, so Mr. G Mr. Governor of the Reserve Bank, can you just print me there a $40? Because mine got burnt at KFC. No. No. And if you put your faith, I'm telling you, teach your children. Don't put your faith in that thing. Use it. Manage it. Malcolm. <laughs> Don't put your faith in it. Don't put your faith in it. Give us, give us the next one. Move, move, move your heart. Move, move your treasure to God's economy. So two stories. In Genesis 26 verse 12, the son of Abraham, the father of faith, is in the promised land, and there's a drought. So the economy is in recession. Things are bad. Interest rates are high. <laughs> Demand is low. Things, things are just bad. And he is planning to move to Egypt. Because there he sees greener pastures, things are better, the Nile flows there. There's probably going to be a better life. Let me take my family, my possessions, everything. Let's go to Egypt. And the Bible says that God spoke to, to Isaac and told him, in the land of drought. Now don't go, for, for you are farmers, Pastor Ephraim, and the rest of us, for those of you who have family, please don't go and do this, except you have a word from the Lord, like uh, Angus Bucket. So, the Lord told him, sow in the same land. It's not raining. There's no water. There's a couple of wells. But the Philistines that are living around him, his enemies, have been putting soil in the wells. And God tells him, sow in that same land. It's contrary to what is naturally advised. If he's spoken to his agricultural advisors on the board, he would have said, this is nonsense. We cannot do this. Scientifically speaking, if you look at the, at the pie chart here, this percentage will not work. And God told him, then Isaac, God told him to sow in the land, and then the Bible says, then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. Meaning, double. And the Lord blessed him, and the man became waxed. The man became great. Great is here financially. Eh? And went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. Those who didn't know God, who are moving to Egypt or whatever, eh? they envied him. This is a principle of him not operating at what is happening in the natural, but what is happening from God's perspective. This is why you need to have a close relationship with God. He is able to lead you like a shepherd to green pastures, to the still waters. And this is important. When you are being discipled, they will teach you. They will teach you how to hear from God, how to walk with God. It won't just be, okay, let's teach you song number five and song number six, and you become religious, you know how to sing songs. But when it comes to applying the word of God in your own life, maybe God will, maybe God might, maybe God would, maybe, perhaps, maybe. No. No. His plan is to lead you like a good shepherd. Amen. Give us there the next slide. Another drought. The Bible speaks about the prophet Elijah and how God sent him to a certain area. Now this drought was caused by the prophet because he came and he said, at my word, it will not rain for two and a half years. And the prophet at that time was bringing God's judgment and bringing God's influence on the nation. God sent him to this woman. When he arrived there, she was in the fields clearing. And then he greets her speaks to her, and he asks her, do you have some bread? And the lady says, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful 
of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. My goodness. <laughs> what a greeting. So obviously Elijah is supposed to think, well, there's nothing here. Let me go on to the next farmer that might have something to eat there. Give us the next slide. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first, <laughs> but first make me a little cake. <laughs> and bring it. It's already a handful. I mean, how, how big can this cake be? A handful like this. I want a little cake. And then bring it to me. And afterwards, <laughs> the lady must be like, who is this guy? <laughs> and I include my son in this situation. And afterwards, make something. <laughs> Almost to insert, of what is left <laughs> for yourself and your son. For thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent. The jug of oil shall not be empty. Until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and her whole household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty. According to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. This is not just an allegorical story. It's a true story. Some of you are saying, oh, the Bible is always so extreme in its examples. <laughs> it's, a, it's a historical fact to encourage your faith. You, there they are probably single mothers here or single fathers who might be in a situation. The economy is pressing you. And God is trying to bring a miracle into your house. And he will speak to you and direct your steps. But you need to be sensitive concerning the fact that he might say something to you that is unconventional. Something that is biblical but unconventional. And you need to be able to put your trust not in your flour, not in your oil, not in your money, not in the sticks that you have gathered, not in the, what you have in your house. But you need to put your faith in a God that does not disappoint, a God who never sleeps nor slumbers, a God who is able to take care of the mother and the child and the child's child and the child's child's child and every generation after that. A covenant-keeping God, a covenant-keeping God that desires to take care of you. Amen? And it is so important that we begin to realize that the enemy cannot sever us from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ that is in Christ Jesus. There is a boldness that needs to rise up in believers. That will be able to see the manifestation of the promises of God in this life. And we will not relegate it to maybe God, maybe God, maybe God. But that we'll get into the word and get a word from God. And begin to apply that word in our lives to the point where it brings forth fruit. For every word of God that comes down from heaven does not return void. But it accomplishes everything for which God has sent it to do. And sometimes we've been, we've been in the company of unbelief. Ah, you need to be wise, my brother. You know, these are hard times. Maybe you need to just take that $5 and save it up while the Lord is telling you, give it to this beggar. And Jesus is in the temple and he's standing with his disciples. Everyone is bringing their lots of investment money, putting it there, first fruit offering, putting it there, whatever, tithe and offering. And an uh, uh, and, uh, uh, old lady comes from the back with her two cents. This is all she has. And she comes to deposit it. And Jesus recognizes it and, and he says that this woman here has given more than all of these. She's transferred a certain value into the kingdom of God, and it will not disappoint. You might have sat in a television, uh, a cast that was telling you these things don't work. I'm here to tell you this morning, it works. The way that God wants you to operate is beyond the natural. If you limit God, you are going to restrict the destiny upon your life. God spoke to Moses, and, and Moses said, Lord, but I can't speak. How must I go to the largest kingdom on the earth and tell them to give their workforce to me? Because God told me in the bush, a burning bush, that I must come here and tell them that, that, that they must let the people go. The economy will be destabilized. 
I can't go. I can't even speak. And what did God say? What do you have in your hand? You might be thinking, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the breakthrough. That other tender that must come through. And then the Lord will. And then, and then, and then afterwards, when it's my birthday, then people will give. And then, no. What do you have in your hand? God will use whatever you have in your hand. Why? Because you can't wait till the tender thing comes through. You can't wait till the birthday party. And then the, the guys might just come and eat all your chicken and they didn't bring anything with them. <laughs> you better send an SMS, guys. Please don't come empty and the Lord is watching you. But you can't put your reliance on that because God has called you not just to survive. God has called you to thrive and to build 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 and to build. And after you've built, there will be many who will be coming under the shade of that building. And not only your money will be ministering to them, but also the information and the revelation that you carry will go forth into somebody else. They will rise up and become someone great who will also send other kids to school except their own, who will also be feeding many, who will also be starting businesses and changing the economy. We need to walk with God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's stand, let's worship the Lord. Father, we thank you, Jesus. Right where you are, just begin to thank God. You are not in trouble. You are not in trouble. God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, I can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? Every day and in every way, the blessing of God is working in our lives. Every day and in every way, the word of God is bearing its fruit in our lives. Every day and in every way, even if I stumble, even if I fall, the Lord is faithful. He continues to supply and supply, giving bread to the eater and seed to the sower, so that in every day I'm able to be self-sufficient, taking care of my family and being generous to those who I need and being able to partner with the gospel and sending the gospel all around the earth every day, every day. I want to pray for those of us you've been trusting in money, the Holy Spirit is convicting you. Won't you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Quickly, quickly, it's time to repent. Just as a sign of humility to say, Lord, I'm moving my heart. My trust is in money. It needs to move. It's uncertain. It's unreliable. It's weak. Father, we pray for these who are raising their hands, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, that the truth is setting them free right now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are able, Lord God, to speak to them even this morning concerning how they can move their hearts and their trust, Lord God, from uncertain riches, from looking to money, to looking back to you, Lord God, to putting their faith in a great big God, creator of heaven and earth, Lord God, the one who cannot fail, Lord God, the one who is with them day and night, Lord God. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you touch them right where they are, Lord God. As they say, Father, forgive me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm turning my mind, I'm turning my heart, Lord God. I'm putting my trust in you. In Jesus' name. I want to pray for those of you, you are in crisis. You are tempted now <laughs> to begin to search for money instead of searching the face of God. You are in trouble. You need it. You need a breakthrough. You need a breakthrough. You are on the verge. You are being tempted to trust in money. If that's you, won't you raise your hand? We want to pray for you. Father, we pray for them in the name of Jesus, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word says that those, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. They shall not be moved, Lord. God. Father, thank you, Lord, that all things are possible for them that believe, Lord God. 
Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for breakthroughs to be released in their lives this morning in the name of Jesus, Lord. Father, we pray, Lord God, that every resistance of the enemy upon the flow of funds on their lives will be broken now in Jesus' name. And we declare grace and grace and grace and favor and favor and favor and favor and grace over them in Jesus' name, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, even this week, Lord God, that they'll begin to experience, Lord, the open heavens of God, the windows have open, open, the, whole, the windows of heaven open over them in the mighty name. In the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that they will guard their hearts, Lord God, from fear. That they will guard their hearts from doubt, Lord God. That their hearts will not be set on money, but that they will be set on the faithfulness of an eternal God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. If you are here this morning, you are not born again. You have not given your heart to Christ. I want to pray for you this morning. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. The Bible says that, that you must be born again if you are going to enter the kingdom of God. The Word of God says that Jesus died on the cross for sinners. And that everyone that comes to Him, He will by no means turn them away. And the Bible says that Jesus was raised from the dead. And He is alive today to live in your heart. If you are here this morning, you want to give your heart to Christ. You have not done that. If you are here this morning, you've fallen away. You have neglected your life with God. You want to come back to God. I want to, I want to pray with you this morning. If that's you, won't you raise your hand? We'll pray for you. Is there anybody here? Today you desire to make your relationship right with God. Just raise your hand high enough so that I can see. If that's you, just wave at me so that I can see. I want to pray with you. Amen. Oh, Father, we thank you, Lord. If you are here, you wanted to do that, just come forward after the service. We'll pray with you. Hallelujah. Let's all just raise our hands to the Lord and say, Thank you, Jesus. You are my Father. You take good care of me. May the Lord bless you. Now, let me pray for you. May the Lord bless you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he cause you to prosper. May he cause revelation to abound in your heart. So that you may be able to apply these truths in your life. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. If you are here this morning, you need prayer for anything special, any sickness, any oppression, please come and see us. The leaders will be here in front. If you are not in a connect group, you want to be in a connect group, please come and 